0: Well, Merry Christmas to you. So glad you're uh, with us today. Wish you all of God's very best on this Christmas day. And uh, we've lit the Christ candle today, which is of great significance, obviously, on a moment like this. And uh, this is actually our last pre-recorded worship gathering, not just for 2022, but um, for all time, perhaps. Uh, We have experienced this pre-recorded season during the pandemic, and Jared Malcolm has done a fantastic job of um, pre-recording these gatherings and editing them and helping all of us, uh, especially those in our online community who are unable to join us for worship, to uh, stay current with our church family and stay connected to the ways of God. And uh, so a big shout out to Jared, who has been instrumental in helping us with this pre-recorded gatherings over the last couple of years now. And uh, also he's been instrumental with Pastor Al in helping us get organized around a live stream, which is happening on uh, next Sunday, Sunday, January the 1st, New Year's Day. We will be coming at you from the auditorium sanctuary, live stream, real time, right here on our YouTube channel or through our website, kingstreet.org. 10.30 a.m. weekly, there'll be a live stream broadcast coming from our auditorium. So uh, stay tuned for uh, an enhanced experience. And uh, some of you may be looking for a way to give back in a way that's consistent with your online experience. And uh, so I'd want to encourage you if you have uh, a technical aptitude, we're looking for people to help us uh, with our live stream team. And uh, you can reach out to uh, Pastor Al Heath just at al at kingstreet.org, and uh, he'll help you with uh, some opportunities that you can give back to the same community that you've been receiving. Uh, from over the last uh couple of years. So um, today we're gonna do a tag team teach. Myself, Pastors Al and Gary are gonna come uh to you today with this Christmas talk uh around Christmas is for children. And um the good news is my thought for consideration today is we are all children. So Christmas is for children, and we are all children. And as a kid growing up, I, I remember counting down the days to Christmas. Do you remember that? Whether it was uh, watching the, uh, the primetime specials, the, the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, or the Rudolph or the Frosty uh, animated cartoon uh, Christmas events. And I remember having the, uh, and I'm dating myself now, the hard copy paper TV guide turned down and looking at 7 o'clock and 7.30 and 8 o'clock before bed watching these Christmas specials and being sad watching Rudolph being left out of all the reindeer games and Frosty melting into a puddle of water and and all of these beautiful moments as a kid. Um, Christmas is for children and I remember the excitement counting down the days uh, there was something magical about Christmas uh, as a kid. Uh, now, unfortunately, what happens to us is we grow older, and uh, as we mature and move through the, the child, adolescent, and then adult years, uh, we become a little more sophisticated, and we become a little more perhaps even cynical. And the magical edge of Christmas kind of uh, wears off a little bit. And uh, and we, we miss the, uh, the magic for the pragmatic, and uh, sometimes... It's uh, less anticipation and more survival mode that we go into. And we kind of white knuckle our way through the holiday season. Well, all of that white knuckling is over now. And, and all the baking and all the preparation, and the shopping, and all the stuff that goes with our cultural celebration of Christmas is behind us. And uh, now it's just about resting and refreshing and celebrating the spirit of Christmas, which is Jesus himself. A friend of mine once said, in comparison to how old the universe is, we're all just children. And that makes so much sense. And uh, I like what um, uh, Henry Cloud has said. He says, God has no grandchildren. I like that. God has no grandchildren. There are no distant relatives in the kingdom of God. We are all his kids. And so uh, Christmas is for children and we are all children. And Jesus in, in Himself, in fact, actually celebrates and values and protects children. In fact, in one of his gospel, in one of the gospel accounts, Jesus is recounted as saying: if anyone was to present any harm or damage to a child, something along this line, it would be better for them if they had a millstone tied around them and they were thrown into the deep end of the lake. You kind of get the idea that Jesus is deeply committed and celebrates and values children. And uh, so Jesus held up children uh, as an example of what life in the kingdom of God is all about. He says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is Matthew 18 verse 3. So unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. So what is the change that's required? Well, scripture teaches both truths. We need to change and become like little children. In fact, Paul writes um, sort of a complementary idea that needs to be held in tension. Yes, Jesus says we ought to change and become like little children, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we put childish ways behind us. And so there is a sense in which we can grow up through the cycle of being a child into adolescence and into adulthood and we leave childish ways behind us but we remain childlike in the sense that we retain a um a sensitive conscience and uh and we also are not afraid of creativity and innovation and imaginative ways of factoring god into all the ways he wants us to factor him into our lives So what is this change that Jesus is pointing us toward? Let me read this for you because I think this is so helpful. Children tend to have sensitivity of conscience, easy expressions of emotion. They're creative and imaginative. They possess a wonder, awe, joy, and optimism about the future. Children want to be astronauts, become firefighters, and sometimes play with imaginary friends. Children laugh easily and heartily and trust with ease. They're quick to forgive and love unconditionally. They're often thinking the best about life and other people, and they're willing and desiring to learn and to grow. Now, contrast that with adults. Adults grow up, but in growing up, sometimes we lose uh, the innocence, so to speak, or the uh, sensitive conscience, or the awe and the wonder, as I just mentioned. As adults, we get bored with butterflies, sandcastles, and sunsets. We're more interested in our screens and AirPods and talking with strangers. We can easily become jaded, cynical, and skeptical. Adults tend to easily hold grudges, develop resentment and stay angry sometimes for years. Adults maintain what we consider justifiable reasons not to forgive. And uh, and we easily remember transgressions and offenses. So unless we change and become like little children, we'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I'll finish with this and then I'm gonna invite um, Pastor Al to come. Um, I love what John wrote. He said, um, see what great love the father has lavished on us. I love that word. He's lavished his unconditional love on us all, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And so Christmas is for children, and we are all children.
1: Well, Christmas is for children. And one thing we do know is that children love surprises. On the other side, adults, they don't necessarily like surprises so much. I can remember those Christmas mornings when we got something uh, special for our kids and they had no idea that it was coming. I remember uh, when they would open it and the look on their faces of surprise was priceless. And they would uh, say things and do things because they were so excited. And when the reality set in, they were so thankful over the gift that they received. Mary, as we read the Christmas story, experienced a surprise that God chose her. What a special moment for her as a young girl to be the mother of Jesus, the Son of God. She couldn't believe it at first. In fact, she questioned the the angel, how can this be? And he had to explain it would be God, an act of God, a Christmas miracle, as it were, that was going to happen for this to take place. And afterwards, she writes this song that we find in Luke chapter 1. Let me read a few a few verses of it. She says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of His this lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things. For Mary, this filled her with wonder and amazement that God would choose her. And it filled her with such joy and such excitement that she could hardly believe that God had picked her to give birth to his son. When Jesus grew up and did many miracles and his followers who followed him did and followed the same pattern and continued his mission... One of the things that we note in the, in the narrative is that there was this wonder and amazement as miracles happen. as God uh, intervened in people's lives and people were healed and different things took place by the power of God and what he was able to do in their lives. And it showed people that Jesus, God in the flesh, was so interested in the needs of people, especially those who were sick and hurting and those who had been cast away in that society. Society. Consider for a moment all that Christ has done for you and for me. He limited him, himself to a human body. He came to earth and limited himself to become a baby of all things, the most helpless of all humanity. He took skin on, he took on flesh to show us who God is, and ultimately, he surrendered his life so that we would have the opportunity, if we believed, to have relationship with God, to experience redemption and salvation in our lives, all because of what he did for us. And because of this, our hearts and our minds should continually be filled with uh, wonder and amazement and thankfulness that God chose us, that he decided to work in our lives. And the joy that Mary sings about should be our joy as followers of Jesus. That he picked you and he picked me to sacrifice all for us. One of the thoughts that I think is really important as we consider that is that may we never get so familiar with God that he can't surprise us. May we never get to the place in our lives where we think we have God figured out where he has to do things a certain way, or he has to answer a prayer in a certain way, or he has to respond and do things a certain way. May our hearts be filled with anticipation. May we never limit what we think God can and cannot do. And may we trust that he is working in our lives and through our lives. May we be surprised to see how, not only the work that he's doing in us, but how he is working through our lives to help and to uh, reach the people around us that he loves so much. In reflecting on all, all of that, the, the verse from 1 Corinthians 2.9 comes to mind. It says, no one has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Those are amazing words. I leave you with this thought from Thomas Brewer, who, is, uh, who does articles for Table Talk magazine. I love this. He said, we should wonder what God will do next. We should always hope in his promises, even when things seem dark. We can expect that he will surprise us for our good and for his glory.
2: So it's clear that children love surprises. And another thing about children is actually they have this, like, ability to be really trusting. So children have this incredible um, capacity to trust. And as you see in uh, that short clip from Narnia, it's this, this series written by C.S. Lewis. And it's, Narnia is this, like, fantastical place. Uh, it's filled with magic and uh, mythical beasts. And as you saw, there are talking animals there. And it's this place where children Uh, only children can go actually because they believe. Adults actually can't enter into the world of Narnia because they don't believe. And uh, somehow this can actually mimic real life, right? You know, children have this ability to trust and to believe things that sometimes adults struggle with. And because of this, children can also be witness to um, some uh, some really powerful events. So let's look at this scene as an example um, and this is Passover time. This is in the Gospel of John. And there are about 5,000 men there, plus women and children, right? By some estimates could be as many as 20,000 people around. And we're gonna look at Jesus in this scene. And we're gonna see a little moment from a child. So John chapter six, verse five says this. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus is really concerned with the people, concerned for them. He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Let's just stop right here. If you know this story, this is one of the um, amazing gospel accounts of Jesus uh, feeding the multitude. So you get this picture of this boy that just comes to present his small lunch. He's got five small barley loaves and two small fish with him, and he's presenting it and giving it to Jesus. And so he gives it, and if you know the story from there, Jesus is able to feed that whole multitude, thousands of people, um, able to feed them and have enough left over where they can actually gather it. It's this miraculous event that takes place. But it's really interesting because when we contrast it with adults here, we see um, we see Andrew and we see uh, Philip, and they're asking, and they say, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed these people, right? You know, Philip says it would take more than half a year's wages to, for everyone to get a, even a little bite of this. So, you know, adults, we tend to think in terms of dollars and cents. Uh, we can be very practical. Um, but sometimes our practicality can actually uh, limit what God can do. Now, you know, practicality might say, you know, Jesus, I do... Um, I, I want to do something good for you, but I just can't because I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have the ability, uh, whatever the case may be. But really, what we can learn from this child is that, you know, I might we we might have the approach that the child does to say, "Lord, I don't have that much to offer you, but what I do have to offer you, I'll give it to you wholeheartedly." Um, I might have this much faith, so just help me with the faith that I do have. When we see the the child. Um, comes here and presents his lunch to Jesus, um, he has it has this picture of like knowing that he will get something to eat. Um, He doesn't know how, he doesn't know what's gonna happen exactly, but he trusts Jesus because so many gospel accounts, they see children running to Jesus and coming to him. He was a very trustworthy person. And it's really this picture of being open-handed with God. Um, It's like to say, you know, all I have, Lord, is yours. So I ask you this question, what can a limitless God accomplish through your willingness and your open hands? Now, we know that children can be sometimes too trusting, and that can maybe lead them to trouble. Um, but they're not really trust, too trusting because they're uneducated. They're just inexperienced. And, you know, for us, a mature, um, a mature trust should actually lead us to grow our trust in Jesus. So in many ways, as we get older, we get into adulthood, um, you know, we can actually, we have an increased capacity for certain things. Hopefully we can uh, regulate our emotions a little bit better. Uh, we can actually think more critically, that grows. But actually our, our ability to trust and our ability to take our capacity to take risks and face stretching endeavors that actually tends to be limited. So it's really important that we see this childlike faith here um, is really evidenced by our actions, right? This the child that gave his lunch to Jesus. So for us, uh, we want to be able to show that by our actions. Um, now, one other thing too: children actually they can learn to be trusting. So generally, children trust adults, generally. Um, they trust their parents, they trust their teachers, uh, their pastors, their coaches. They tend to trust these people because why? They really actually depend on them like quite a lot. Imagine being a child. Um, so much of your life is uh, when you're a very young child, you know, you have to ask, you know, daddy or mommy, can you do this for me? Can you do that? Because you are unable to open things or go where you want or um, be taken out of bed. You have to be lifted out of a crib, right? All these sort of things that they have to ask for help with because they can't do it. And then sometimes they get a little bit older and they might not need as much help, but they need permission. (laughs) So some things they can't do because they're not allowed to do. And it's actually a really humbling way to live. And um, Jesus said it this way, He said, therefore, whoever takes this lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And the whole idea is these children have a lowly or a humble position because there's so many things that they can't do or that they're not allowed to do. And children at that time, they didn't have that much status and they weren't really looked on as adding much value with a lot of the culture. They were kind of seen as just a liability. But Jesus said, having that kind of humble position in your heart is something that we need to recapture to be the Uh, the greatest or to be great in the kingdom. So an important thing for children is that they know that they're not in control of their lives. They recognize when they need help. They recognize when they need permission. And Jesus said, we should actually be like that. But for adults, (laughs) we are actually the um, opposite. We we think we're in more control than we actually are. Um, You know, I can't control the weather. I can't control the way other people drive. I can't control my breathing when I'm sleeping right? And the things that I can control are a little bit harder. I can control my emotional response, my attitude, and my choices largely. And so those things are a little more challenging. But what we find out from a child here is that childlike faith, it does require humility to set aside our will. And Jesus, again, is the perfect picture of this. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he's about to go to the cross, he says, he prays this, he says, Father, he takes the position of a son, right? He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, But nevertheless, um, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. So Jesus, as a son, asks his father for help. He says, I don't want this. Please take this away from me. Um, I don't like this circumstance, this situation, this tension, this illness, this pain. That's something that we could say, I don't like it. So please take it from us, father. But if not, your will be done. And Jesus modeled that. So that's a really excellent thing for do. And, you know, as you saw in the Narnia clip, um, Lucy, she trusts Aslan. And you can get this sense from the clip that she doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to leave Aslan, but she she's willing to go because Aslan says he'll always watch over her and one day they'll they'll be reunited again. So she does it. And that's such a great picture for us, just like Jesus and just like Lucy. Um, We might not want to go through something, but we can trust God with it. So again, I asked you this before, and I I asked you now as we close, what can a limitless God accomplish through your willingness and your open hands? Um, When God wanted to enter into our world, he actually uh, takes the most humble position of being born um, as a baby uh, in that time of human history. And he found a single teenage girl um, with all the odds stacked against her, and but yet she had open hands. And Mary says, you know, in response to that, he, Mary just says, I'm the Lord's servant. Uh, may your word to me be fulfilled. And she birthed the Messiah. So what can God do through you? Children are for, uh, Christmas is for children, but we're all children. And with that, on this Christmas day, uh, let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, uh, we do thank you, Lord, that we can call you Father. We thank you that we are uh, children, Lord, each and every one of us, Lord, that just puts our faith and trust in you. We're just your child. And so, dear God, we pray today as we celebrate the day that you decided to move into our neighborhood, you decided to come to earth, and you took the humble position of leaving your throne and coming here, Jesus, as a baby, and what an excellent thing that that is for us, Lord. You came to do that because you loved us so much, and you came to do that to eventually die for our sins, Lord. And we thank you so much for that. We thank you, Jesus, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. You're the Savior, and you're the Messiah. And um, Lord, we're just so grateful to you. So we celebrate you today, Lord, the day where we celebrate your birth. And um, Lord, as children, we pray to the Father to help us to be um, willing to be surprised by the way that you work. Help us to recognize that um, Christmas is for us. It's not, just, um, it's not just for the younger. It's for every, every single age. And help us, Lord, to realize that we can trust you and we can even show that by even setting aside the things that we would want in favor for what you would have us to do. So, Lord, uh, bless all my friends today on Christmas Day. Uh, We pray for a beautiful, excellent um, end of the year for every single person hearing this right now. And we pray for um, the coming year ahead that we will serve you and bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray,
1: amen. Well, thank you.